Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. Will Watts from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. Welcome Inside Black and Gold. And it is here. We are on the precipice of starting the NFL draft. And I know that everyone has to be uh, excited about the actual day happening instead of all the talk leading up to it. Jeff, we got to hear from Mickey Loomis today, and he divulged all those secrets that we were hoping we would find out. And uh, you and I have some last-second, last-minute mock draft projections that we're going to put out before the the real deal happens on Thursday. Yeah, this first second, we're going to get into a bunch of clips. I have some audio I'm going to play for you from Mickey Loomis today. Talked for about 40 minutes, which is a long time. You know, when, when you go to a lot of these press conferences, usually 20 minutes is maybe 25 and they'll cut you off. He just kept going and going and going. And we got some interesting information in terms of, you know, their philosophy on trading up, how they feel about some of the situations regarding their players. And so I'm going to play a good amount of that for you. But first, we do have to play this one bite from Mickey because he said the quiet part out loud about friend of the program, Bobby Bear who was not in attendance. Wait a minute, I don't have Bobby in the corner talking over me? <laughs> what is going on? Huh? We can conference at home. He's still sleeping. What is going on? Yep. He was not there, but I'm sure he'll have something to say on Sports Talk today when he has uh, relayed that clip. <laughs> but yeah, so what we learned a lot about today was partially involving... When you're at 29, you can't be guaranteed who's going to be on the board at that point. And one thing that Mickey went into is it's actually Jeff Ireland who has a formula of basically how many players, how many first round grades they have to have on players to ensure you get one of them 
at your draft position. And however long Jeff's been with the team, I think it's been about eight years. That formula has never failed. Like if they're drafting at 11 and they need X number of players, they're willing to take at that spot to make sure you get one. Every year that has been the case. And here's what Mickey had to say about that when we got into it today. I don't know that it's difficult. I mean, we have a group of of players that we think have a good chance to be available. Um, Hopefully we're right. Um, You know, Jeff's got a formula that has been, it's never failed us in terms of the number of guys we have to have in order to get one of our players. And uh, that's been pretty accurate over the years. So we have those numbers of players and, and we'd feel good about, I feel good about where, you know, the player we might get at 29 and 40, for example. After that, it's a little more of a, a little more random after that. I'm sorry, you the formula, without getting into the formula stuff, it's just like, like giving you like a... Yeah, like if you, if you have, well, we're pick 29, there's a percentage of players, a percentage of that that we, okay, we have to have X amount of players available and we know we'll get one of those. We don't have to have 29. We have to have less than that. And he's got a formula that's never failed. <laughs> so you might have to have like five guys that you like, like yeah. for this pick, or it might be three guys for another pick. Well, it's like, let's just say we're picking 11. We'd have to have nine guys, and we know we're going to get one of the nine according to his formula. Because you know somebody's going to take someone nine. Yeah, because nine. somebody, yeah, just historically, that's, it's never failed. You know, it's math. Yeah, I don't know that I want to say that. I might say it. Let me think about it for a little bit. He didn't say it. But I do think it's interesting when you look at, okay, the Saints, when they're going into this draft, they're going to have a certain number of players on their board. And if that number gets low, you could see them get a little more aggressive. But what Mickey said was, basically, it's not always about the numbers, the numbers game involved there. It's usually about the order of that list. So if there's someone on that list that starts creeping down, that's when you might start seeing the Saints get more aggressive and potentially trading up. And I know someone in the comments was asking, oh, do you think the rumors of the Saints trading up are, are yeah, accurate? It. And, I mean, who knows? But at the same time, the Saints are always capable of trading up. So I don't think that's been determined right now. I don't think the Saints have decided one way or another that they're going to trade up or not trade up Mickey said he hadn't even talked to GMs yet this week, really. Like, that's going to start happening Wednesday night, Thursday morning. And so we can look at all the reports we want. We can we can have all of these kind of ideas and innuendo about a trade market. The, at the end of the day, it's going to be happening mid-draft if it happens. You're not going to see the Saints make a decision to trade up until they see who's on the board. Probably 15, 16, 17. That's when you'll start really making decisions if you're the Saints. Mickey said he doesn't think they have the ammunition to trade up high into the draft, which I think, you know, is a pretty easy thing to spot. But they do very much have the ammunition to go up a few spots, maybe go up to 20, maybe go up to 18. And so I think that that's where you have to kind of figure that out. Yeah, I know you were talking about trading up with this team, and it's something we definitely see be a a move that they do. If I'm sure you've said it, you said it, if they have their target that in that range that we're talking about in, in that formula, all of a sudden drops down to that in a, in a spot where, hey, we can make that move and give up this year's first and the third round pick to go get him. They're going to do it. I mean, the the quote from Rose City saying, are the rumors true of the Saints trading up? 
you can say yes to that every season, basically, because if there is that player on the board available to them, yes, we're going to see them make a move again tomorrow on, on Thursday night. And I fully expect that to happen. It's just their MO. Y'all have eight picks, which is more than you've had in recent years. Right now we have eight picks. <laughs> what kind of latitude does that give you not only in, I mean, you have a lot more flexibility. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think uh, yeah, it does give us some flexibility. You know, I always feel like if you have picks in the latter part of the draft, it gives you the opportunity to bump up. If you have you know a lot of picks in the top half of the draft, then it allows you to move way up if you want to. I wouldn't say we have the ammunition to move way up. We don't, but I think we do have. Um, if we decided to bump up a little bit, that you know that opportunity, um, we'd have enough resources to do that little bump up yeah and so rose city asks here how far if so do they trade up and what do you give up i think what you're talking about there is a few picks right like maybe you're trading up to 22 maybe you're trading up to 21 maybe you're trading up to 20 either way you're going up to get a guy you are not trading up for the vague purposes of getting a better player and i think that's kind of tried and true right when you ask mickey about his philosophy for the draft what he'll say is find someone you love and go get them. You you ask, okay, why won't they never trade back? And, you know, Mickey kind of explained that in, in this quote here about his draft philosophy. And a lot of it is like, you want to be going to get your guy. You don't want to be settling for whoever's available. It's the way the Saints operate. And I think it is a little different from kind of the the more contemporary method of drafting for some maybe younger GMs, some newer GMs. But when you have a GM that's been there for 20 years, when you have a coaching staff that's really been pretty stable, even if you've changed it in the last two years, it's still the same kind of structure. You're able to do that. You're able to be consistent. And this is what he said on his kind of philosophy on trading. Well, I mean, you guys have heard me say this. I, I think when you have a conviction, you know, if you love somebody and you go get them, there's, that's that's the, my, the preferred... Um, policy I guess that that I like find somebody you love and go get them and if you think you can get them where you're at then you stay where you're at uh, I, I I just feel like the philosophy of trading back is me means that if you really believe in your board and you believe how it how it's uh, uh, gonna fall is that you're moving back to get a lesser player that's just kind of the premise that we have it's not to say that we wouldn't move back but but um, you know that's the philosophy here to him, trading back is saying we will accept a lesser player rather than the player we want. Whereas trading up means you're going to get the player you want. And, and like he can say that doesn't mean they're not going to trade back. If that's how you're viewing it, if that's your philosophy going in, it absolutely means you're not going to trade back because by doing that, you would be accepting defeat and accepting that your board is not good, the players on your board aren't good, and you don't have any options. There's a reason the Saints haven't traded back, and it's right there. Yeah, plus plus to me, it's like th this team has been pretty uh, adamant about we're not in rebuilding mode. We're trying to restock here, and while yeah. those young assets might be great for future and down the line, we're more looking for those guys that can help us immediately. You know, one question that people might ask is, are there any positions where the Saints might overvalue them and take a guy early – Based on, you know, I think the Saints terminology would be musts versus wants versus needs. 
And here's what here's what Mickey had to say on that subject. I think there's some things that we'd like to have. I don't know that I would call any of them musts. I think we've done a pretty good job in this offseason of taking a lot of those musts and, and turning them into wants or needs uh, in our vernacular. So basically addressing uh, running back and defensive tackle. Yeah, so right. right. So like they didn't make that many moves this right. offseason. So I think that's a pretty good line you can draw between, okay, which players they signed and which positions they really felt needed help. And obviously defensive tackle was one of them. And now they don't feel like that's that's a must going into the draft. So they don't, they're not going to tilt and take a defensive tackle just because he's there. Running back, yes, Jamal Williams, I'm sure that was a must going in and they filled it. Um, then you also got a couple of safety cornerback options, nickel options in Lonnie Johnson and Jonathan Abram. Right. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mix up their last names. And so, yeah, like this is a team that does kind of feel like they have the pieces and now you are supplementing that. And that's where you want to be going into the draft. I think in a lot of instances, when you see really bad picks being made, it's because you're, you're reaching for a guy because you feel like you need to fill a need and the saints never want to do that. And they don't want to leave themselves in position to do that. So I think, if you're Mickey Loomis and you go to that press conference, that's the line you always want to say is we don't have any musts. And the, the other question would be Alvin Kamara. It's the elephant in the room. What's going to happen? How many games is he going to miss? And Mickey was asked whether that's going to impact how this team operates in the draft. And he basically said no. Um, but here's, here's his exact. No, because that's, that's a short term. It's not going to influence you know, who we pick. Uh, because that, that look, that's a short-term issue, and we don't know what that's going to be yet. So, yeah, am I concerned about it? Sure, certainly, because it's going to affect you know our, our team if if um, if something happens there. But it's a temporary issue. Yeah, it's funny to hear him say that. Like, because we were all, I think, expecting a six-game suspension to be handed down as a minimum. And to me, I don't know if that's really short-term. I get, I guess so in the in the grand scheme of things. Well, it's short term in the sense that you're drafting a player for four years. Yeah, right. For true. Uh, you're not going to make a decision on a guy this year because Alvin's going to miss six <laughs> games. I think that's that's why they decided to address it in free agency because that is also kind of a short term solution for a short term problem. Because I do think this team is committed to Alvin beyond the season. I don't think this is going to be Alvin's last season. That said, he's getting up towards the age of running backs would typically fall off. And whether or not you think that his availability is going to be a long-term problem, you do need to start adding youth at that position. So I, I do think it's interesting how you fall on that. And I have a I have a running back in my mock draft. I know you have a running back in your mock draft. I know it's a very popular position to see the Saints address in that kind of forum. But I would be really surprised if outside of Bijan maybe falling to them at 29, if you see them go running back before the third or fourth round. I could also see them coming out of this draft with no running back and everyone being shocked. And then they bring in like three undrafted free agents. It's like they always do. And we move on. Well, um, there's something you mentioned. Bijan, is he that kind of talent that maybe if he drops down to 19, 20, that they start going, Hmm, you know, is that, is that a piece to this offense that could help us put us, put us over the top? I'm not sure there. I, I think that's unlikely. Um, just in terms of positional value, it's yeah. already hard enough to justify a running back in the first round in that sense and giving up more assets to go get a running back. Eh. And, and then you look at that, like if you want Bijan 
Sure, but what if you were really high on some other running backs who are now getting pushed further and further down the board by the fact that he's still available, right? If Bijan is there at 29, uh, sorry, at 19, it's a yeah. pretty good chance that, you know, one of your top running backs is going to be there at 40, you know, just doing the, just the numbers alone. Right. Or if you want to trade up in the second round and go get him, you could do that. Or maybe trade into the back end of the first if you really feel like that. I just think there's a lot of holes in, in there's a lot of room to grow on the defensive side of the ball that giving up assets to go get a running back and also in turn not addressing that in the first round or maybe in the third round if you have to give up that third round pick to go up that's a tough sell for me but again yeah. Bijan is very very good yeah I totally get that and yeah plus this year's class is so deep and I know a lot of folks definitely holding out hope that maybe in that third round range they can get a, a Tajay Spears to keep him in, in yeah. Louisiana but yeah I think because of the the class this year and how much running back talent you have I, I can understand why it's hard to justify to making that move up to get the the running back especially when yeah I, I can see a lot more pressing needs because you did address that in free agency at least um but still still with the d- defense and keeping that a top-tier unit should be a, a priority. I also have a really tough time seeing Bijan get past the Eagles at 10. I know there's been rumors too lately that the Falcons have been connected with him. Yeah, that would be a very Falcons pick. It would be like the Saquon Barkley of their Giants yeah. arc, right? It would be very similar. Like the, the Giants picked Evan Engram to try to make it on Eli Manning's last legs. The Falcons did it with Kyle Pitts. Neither worked out. Both are good players. Neither worked out for their team. And then they doubled down and took Saquon Barkley. <laughs> and then this would kind of be that. This would be the Falcons doing it with Kyle Pitts and then doubling down with Bijan before they really have a quarterback that they feel confident in. I would love it because it would be the worst possible pick they could make when you have guys on the board <laughs> that could actually impact uh, winning for a long time rather than a guy who's probably going to be out of his prime when they're ready to compete. Kind of like Saquon, right? Like you see the Giants struggling to keep Saquon under contract now that they are finally competitive. They have finally gotten to the point where it makes sense to have Saquon Barkley and he's like out of their price range, (laughs) you know? So it would be a terrible pick for them. I'm rooting for it anyway. Yeah, when you talk about too, yeah, that quarterback situation in Atlanta, you know, you mentioned Ritter. I mean, who's not to say week one, we're not seeing, uh, what's his name, uh, Heineke playing for them? Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it kind of it kind of reminds you of, you know, not, not, not really, but it does kind of feel like when Ryan Fitzpatrick went down to Tampa and you kind of got the feeling that Tampa was kind of half in, half out on Jameis, and they clearly were because they moved on just a couple years later. And then Fitzpatrick was good enough he won a couple games. He beat the Saints in that week one game. He threw for a ton of yards. And then, you know, they were like, oh, wait, he's not that good. What are we going to do now? <laughs> and they ended up lucking into Tom Brady. But it was not a good situation for them to be in. It kind of feels like the Falcons are in a similar situation now. Maybe they do believe in Desmond Ritter. Maybe he's going to be good. I just don't think you're ready to build an offense around Desmond Ritter right now. No. Until right. you have an idea. And I don't know if they're going to want to take a quarterback at eight. I don't know if there's going to be a quarterback to take at eight. At least not like in the in the from the a value sense obviously there will be quarterbacks still on the board but you know you could get into a situation where cj stroud bryce young will levis anthony richardson are all off the board and what are you doing so anyway that, we're not here to talk about the falcons draft but i 
I just I have a hard time seeing Bijan getting past ten. A couple other things that Mickey said that I think were interesting. I think he might have said this last year. I, I'd have to go back, but when the Saints are like thinking about past trades, they actually have a book. Mickey described it as an encyclopedia at this point of all of the trades, all of the draft trades that have occurred over the past dozen years. And every year he goes through it and he says, okay, that was a win for this team. That was a loss for this team. More so in like, okay, did it work out? Did you maximize that value? Was it probably an overpay? And that kind of informs his decision-making going forward. We've already heard him say that he considers last year's trade, both of them, to have been successful for the Saints. Obviously, you'll have to see how Trevor Penning pans out, how the number 10 pick pans out for the Eagles this year. But like, I don't think that he's counting that as a loss for the Saints in any way, even though that ended up sending the number 10 pick to the Eagles. No, and I think he mentioned too, obviously, grading trades or players you know, three years after the fact even of, of happening, I would love to slide a little shot of whiskey down Mickey's way and ask him about that the year they moved up to get Davenport, obviously, and, and get his take on what do you think overall? Did you guys win that deal? Yeah, I, I would I would guess that he would say they did not. But then again, like you traded the 27 pick and the next year's pick ended up being bad, right? Yeah. So it wasn't, it sounds a lot worse in retrospect of saying, oh, you spent two first to go get get Marcus, but no one ever looks back and says, okay, what did they do with those picks? And I don't like I don't know if they could have been that much better. Honestly, the thing that stinks about the Marcus Davenport trade, I would have still made the trade. I think the trade was good. Going from 27 to 14, the value makes sense. You have to hit the pick though. And what made that trade bad was the pick. If they had ended up with Jair Alexander and you got to pair Marshawn Lattimore and Jair Alexander for four years, five years, man, that would have been this, a steal of a trade. I got like goosebumps thinking about that, actually. Right. And there was others, you know, like Tremaine Edmonds. Pick 16 through 20 of that draft are all Pro Bowl players in on their rookie deals. And the Saints ended up with, you know, Marcus Davenport at 14. Anyway, I, I went through and graded those uh, for the last mock draft. And like that's what really stands out to me is like, I probably make that trade again. I'm just not going up after Marcus. I'm going up after pretty much anybody else. Because oh. <laughs> there are so many pro bowlers. Anyway, there's one other note, and it's really just a kind of a draft philosophy thing that I, I just enjoy getting kind of this insight into their process because it's you don't get a lot of it. Like it's, it's very hidden. It's under lock and key. They want to keep it in-house so that they don't get traded in front of like they did with Pat Mahomes and, and Ruben Foster. And it's when you're looking at a player who's not a scheme fit, they call it like 9-0. And so they're going to grade everybody on a scale of what round they're going to be in, right? Are you a second round prospect? Are you a third round prospect? But there's inevitably going to be players that don't fit what the Saints do. And what they'll do is, so this guy's a two or a second rounder, and we'll call him a 2-9-0. And that means like, okay, maybe he is a linebacker or, or like a like an edge rusher prospect, but he's more of a 3-4 outside linebacker. The Saints run a 4-3. Doesn't really work, but he's a still a really good quality player. You're not going to draft him in the second round, but if you have a second round grade on a guy who might be a scheme fit and you're staring at him in the fourth round, you might still take him and try to make him fit because he's that talented of a player. And I just thought it was interesting. Like that's an interesting way to look at it because when you're talking about like a big board of prospects, when you're talking about, Okay, all, these are all my first round prospects. Well, 
when you're the Saints and you're doing that and you're saying this guy doesn't fit, you know, maybe this is a zone corner and we're more of a press man corner team, corner defense, and you're giving them a 9-0, they, they basically come out of that list. So that's why you might only have, even if you have 32 first-round grade prospects, you might only have 22 first-round grade prospects that you actually would draft in the first round. And so that's why I thought, you know, we were kind of coming full circle with that whole Jeff Ireland formula. It's like, how do you get to that point? What number do you have to be at? And what draft slot do you have to be at to guarantee you get one? And that's what changes the dynamic is, you know, BJ Ojolari, for example. I love BJ Ojolari. I think he's a great player. He does not make sense for the Saints. But, you know, if he drops late second round, early third round, Maybe he does make sense for the Saints. And you right. can say, hey, you know, he's about 260 right now. We want him to be closer to about 280. Maybe maybe we can we can make that work, right? Maybe he is someone that we can put in multiple roles. So I just thought that was an interesting insight into their process. The whole thing with, you know, mentioning Jeff Ireland's formula, anytime afterwards, anytime he kept mentioning Jeff, though, I'm like, what what is, uh, you know, no whack feeding him over there? Yeah, Jeff. Good old Jeff. <laughs> Let's answer one question here. Uh, it's not really draft related, but I'd rather get into this segment than the next segment. Ooh, Pelicans Nola says Washington will not pick up Chase Young's fifth year option, so it's time for the Saints to sign him immediately. It's not really how it works. He's in the fourth year of his contract. They're not picking up his fifth year option, which will be next season. And so the Saints can't go sign him. They could technically trade for him. Someone else mentioned that, oh, maybe the Saints could trade for him. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that this is the time of year you're bringing in a guy who, you know, we're talking about injury issues with Marcus Davenport. Chase Young's right in that boat, too. For sure. Um, he was taken a year after Marcus Davenport, right? You picked up Marcus's fifth-year option. You, they did not pick up Chase's. But that doesn't mean they're going to let him go. It's worth noting that Mickey was also asked about Cesar Ruiz and whether they were going to pick up his fifth-year option. And he said that they have made a decision on whether they're going to do it or not. They are not ready to disclose it. So we don't know what that decision is, but it's not always about whether you want that player to stay. Sometimes it's about money, right? Like a fifth-year option is not cheap for a rookie. It's an average of, I want to say the top 10 salaries at the position, it might be less than that. But either way, you're paying a premium to keep that player around. At the guard position, at the defensive end position, those salaries are, are, are high. So you're not really getting a discount and in the case of Cesar Ruiz, it might be more fiscally sensible to just sign him to an extension. So I think that's what you're trying to figure out. But we'll find that out with Caesar in the next couple of days. And I would be very surprised if, the, if Washington is not trying to retain Chase Young, a guy they spent what, the number two overall pick on, past this season. Definitely someone who is, uh, you know, you talk about a physical specimen there with Chase Young. Unfortunate deal with him for sure with the injuries. Yeah, I don't know how much you're, you would invest as a team considering his past. He's going to have to go through this season, though, obviously with Washington. And I guess we'll see what kind of year he has. He, if he has one closer to when he was healthy, he's going to get paid big bucks, obviously, at that position. Yeah, I think it's sim it's a similar position to what the Saints were in with Marcus Davenport. And they decided to pick up his fifth-year option. Yeah, And then, you know, they he was offered a contract that was probably more than they were willing to stomach. If you're, the, if you're Washington and you and you don't have quite as crowded of a cap table, you probably match that deal for Minnesota, right? Like it, it's worth it to you to keep him in and, and hopefully you build that up. It wasn't worth it to the Saints, but at the same time, will he have a market like that? I don't know. I'm just like, I don't think that them not picking up his fifth year option 
really has anything to do with whether they want to keep him or not. The Giants didn't pick up Daniel Jones' fifth-year option. It ended up costing them <laughs> because they ended up paying him more than they would have on the fifth-year option. If but anything, it, it, it just motivates Chase Young more for this season. Exactly. I'll leave you with this, and it's a nine-second quote from Mickey Loomis, but I think it is very telling of, you know, he was willing to talk about running back. He was willing to talk about, oh, I think this position is good in this draft, and this position, is, you know, for what reason and what why. He was asked about the defensive line group, and this was his this was his answer. Yeah, I, I think it's a good group. Yeah, I think it's a good group. I mean, I, I don't want to give away anything, so I'm not going to talk about the individuals, but, I, you know, I think this is a good group. Very vague and blah, and yeah, I'm not going to give you anything. It's like me asking my kid how his day at school went. Yeah, it was good. Well, I mean, no, it'd be like if you asked your kid it's, if he's dating anybody. <laughs> and he would be like, no, I don't want to tell you about that because because then you'll have this information. You can use it against me. And that's, yeah, I think, like, what's happening there is Mickey. Right, like the D-line's great. Yeah, but I don't want to talk about it. Right, because I think if you – there's a reason – you know, it's not a coincidence that everybody who's anybody is saying, the Saints need defensive linemen. It's because they do. And it's also a draft where there is a lot of value at the defensive line spot. So, yeah, I would be surprised – I think it would be an upset if the Saints don't come away with a defensive lineman in probably at 29, definitely in their first two picks. And I think that type of answer is like Mickey kind of giving you a nod and saying, yeah, I, I, that's definitely true. Yeah, I mean, depending on, you know, who who's going to be up there for them to, to make that move on is going to be interesting. I know there's been a lot of buzz about Kalaja Kansi leading up to this draft. I just don't know obviously where how high he's going to be taken uh, a lot of knock on him has been an undersized defensive tackle but man that dude's been short productive for sure and let's wrap up this segment and come back and we're going to get into steve's mock draft this is inside black and gold i'm jeff Nowak. he's steve geller mock draft city coming up we just heard from mickey loomis stick around for that passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports 
Center anchors and current sports obsessives were consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. back on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak, along with Steve Geller. We're little boxes on the side of the screen now because we want to get to Steve's mock draft. We're going to start with Steve's. Steve is not a pro football-focused subscriber, so this seven-round mock draft option that we kind of wanted to do, but I I am a sucker, and I did pay for that. So And, and they won't even give me draft grades on my three picks. They won't. They won't give you grades anymore, man. Nope. They, yeah, they, they really try to make money around draft time. I guess I can understand why. Yeah, they're like, um, you, but, you don't pay for this, and you have no blue check mark. You get nothing. Right. Well, those are two different things. I know. Um, <laughs> but so we're gonna get into his. This is a three round mock, so it'll be a little more intensive. We can answer some of those questions, and then I have a full seven round mock draft that I kind of hate, but um, <laughs> we're gonna get into that in the final segment, and that'll be more. A more kind of go through it all and, and keep it keep it short and sweet for this first one let's just go through the first five picks here a couple of interesting changes right so Bryce Young's still number one but then you have Will Levis at number two to the Texans it's a pretty solid shakeup because it means that CJ Stroud falls to the Colts and pretty much every mock draft I've seen from PFF over the last month two months has had Anthony Richardson going to the Colts at four so that kind of does shake it up, right? And so if you're, we were talking about the Falcons, potentially ended up with Anthony Richardson or somebody. Nope, Raiders snake him out. Well, did, didn't someone too put a post on Reddit, something about the first pick overall being Levis and it changed draft odds even? Yes. That's um, crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it's wild that 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 random post on Reddit has made an impact the way it did. But right. it, it did. And he jumped up to number like, I think his odds were like plus 550, and previously they had been like plus 2000. Bryce Young is still the favorite, but I think in this mock, you are seeing the results of that. Yeah, is uh, <laughs> yeah, that the, he has moved down down this listing. Peter Skaronsky to the Falcons at, at eight. I think that's the sensible pick, right? Like, one thing that makes me laugh every year about the Falcons is they continue to make picks as if they're they're like a contender. And they have not been a contender for for several years now, but they keep taking like skill positions. They keep taking the Kyle Pitts's and the uh, who did they take last year? Was it Drake London? They, the wide receiver. No, well, they took Ritter in the third round, but I'm talking about the wide receiver they took in the first round. It was Drake London. Yes, from they uh, took Drake London, right? Like, where are the picks that are like, man, we have to build up an offensive line to protect our quarterback? It's, it's like, what are you doing? Like. That's like the Giants at least learned their lesson and they started taking offensive tackles every year. Yeah. They ended up with Andrew Thomas and uh, the kid out of Alabama this last year. I can't remember his name. The Falcons have not done that. So in this mock draft, they are at least being more sensible and taking Peter Skaronsky, Zach Street's favorite because he went to Northwestern. Not going to be happy he went to Atlanta, though. Yeah, but at least he went before Paris, uh, yeah. Paris Johnson. There. Right. Then you have Quentin Johnston going to the Bears at number nine. First wide receiver off the board. Jackson Smith and Jigba going to the Eagles. That's another popular pick. 
for whatever reason, everyone wants the Eagles to have this crazy trio of wide receivers, and that would give them A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Jackson Smith and Jigba, which is pretty good. They're trying to, I guess, make them the new greatest show on grass, because I don't think it's turf over there in Philly. Right. <laughs> I think it te- technically is grass. Yeah. Here, the defensive tackles start coming off the board. Kalijah Kansi to the Titans at 11. Tight end Dalton Kincaid to the Jets at 13, given uh, Aaron Rodgers' his new, his new best friend. Lucas Van Ness to the Patriots at 14. He's a popular target, I think, if the Saints do move up. Yeah. It, like he, he's a good example of, Mickey said, it's not always about the number of players that they might want to pick. It's usually if they have someone graded really highly that might fall. And so, for example, Lucas goes off the board at 14 here. If he gets to 18 and the Saints get on the phone with the Lions and say, hey, what, what does it take to go up to 18? And they like the deal they're offered. He could be a guy they move up and get just because he fits like from a measurables perspective, from a productivity perspective. So I think that's something to watch out for. And I think when you're talking about the Saints trading up and everyone's very interested in, you know, what might it look like? What might it take? I think that's more so than like just the numbers involved. It's the players available. If someone who makes a ton of sense for the Saints is still on the board in the late teens, that's where I think you're starting to burn up the phone lines because as Mickey said, they don't, the noise doesn't really start for them until about three picks before they're on the clock. Yeah. And so in this case, if Lucas is there at 15 and they view 18 as a, as, and they've established it as a tradable pick, this might be where they really start to heat up those conversations. So, so it's just something to think about. Yeah. I think it's interesting too. You mentioned obviously, you know, a, a body type, even for defensive tackle defensive end that they look at. I'm curious to know how much that's going to change to their, their perception with, you know, a guy like Ryan Nielsen, not there anymore, but I, I would imagine that that basic, that, that big six foot four, six foot five yeah. frame is something they're still interested in. I don't think it's going to change um, all that significantly. I don't think that's how they scout. I think they have kind of a pedigree that they look for. And Dennis Allen is still that guy. Like Dennis yeah. Allen is not going to change his offensive and de- or his defensive philosophy based on the hires he brought in. If anything, he brought in guys who kind of match his defensive philosophy. So you're not competing. If they change head coaches entirely and they came with a new, whole new regime, then I think you start to you start to really adjust because you might switch to a 3-4. You might, you know, change how you're covering on the back end, in which case you would have to kind of reset your roster a little bit. But yeah, I don't think that like Joe Woods is going to come in and be like, no, we want, we want smaller defensive ends now. Yeah, a little shorter. That'd be better. Yeah. So, okay, we're on to the second half of the first round. Paris Johnson drops all the way to 20. That's interesting. Brian Brzee, who just is like programmed to go off the board three picks before the Saints, goes at 22 to the Ravens is another example of a guy if they really do love him. And I think that they probably should be high on him. If he's on the board at 20, it might be where you start burning up the phone lines to the Seahawks. Then if he, they're not amenable, go talk to the Chargers, right? So that's something to keep in mind. I feel like, yeah, there's a run right here with Brees, Flowers, Murphy, McDonald. A, a lot of those names have been, I've seen, you know, mentioned to the Saints. Yeah, Miles Murphy, I did a I did a roundup, a mock draft roundup today. I haven't posted it yet because I ran out of time. He was the most popular mock draft selection to the Saints. I think I, I wrote it down here. Okay. I, I think I, I ended up with about 20 or 30 mock drafts that I was looking at. He was mocked seven times to hmm. the Saints. The next highest was Brian Brzee with four. Then you had four players who were the pick in three of 
three different mock drafts. That's defensive tackle Keon White, defensive end Adetamiwa Adabaware. I'm working on it. If if he gets drafted by the Saints, I'll get better at it. I have to work um, on it. Right. Then <laughs> Kalijah Kansi and then Mozzie Smith. And you can, you know, pretty much do the math there. That means that 7, 11, 14, 17, 20, 23 of these mock drafts had the Saints taking a defensive tackle, defensive end. Actually, so 24, 25. Yeah, 25 out of 30 mock drafts had them taking a defensive tackle or defensive end. So, yeah, common pick. Anyway, what did you do is the real question. And so we're going to get to that now with the 29th overall pick. And the Bengals did you a favor by taking <laughs> Robinson right before. And you don't have to explain Absolutely, that Absolutely, you know it. Announce your pick, Steve. Yeah, number 29, I ended up going back to my first mock draft, ended up with the same guy, Mozzie Smith. I'm not going to give you that great pass rusher on the D-line, but certainly someone that is a space eater and going to help stop the run. And we saw that run-stuffing ability be a big issue that this past year. So I would love to add a guy like Mozzie's big frame to that D-line. Yeah, and I think he, he's another popular pick, right? It, it It's just, yeah, if, if you can get, get your hands on a premium defensive tackle, it feels like a no-brainer. But, you know, I've, I think we've learned not to ever <laughs> say the Saints are a no-brainer. Um, all right, let's move on to the second round. It's round three. Um you 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 got a little creative with how you how you presented this. I was trying to do it the best I could. Yeah, it was fun to do on my phone. <laughs> um, I was so, like, man, right, Jeff had his all nice and organized. Always. At least uh, I just didn't right. give you a list of names this time. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> this is the second round. Broderick Jones, Felix Anadike Uzama, Daywan Jones, Osiris Torrance goes all the way to 35. Um, you know, he would be a nice guy if you could pick him up at 40. Like my dream Saints draft, I think, is defensive tackle, whoever it is, at 29. Save your assets. Don't move up. Just get the guy that you want if he's available. Hopefully he is. And then turn around and just cross your fingers that Osiris drops to 40. Because <laughs> he's close right here. You got the 35. And if he's if he gets into the mid-30s, that's probably where you really start thinking about it turning up again. Like you're talking about, okay, how, what will it cost? to go up from 40 to 34, right? It won't be that much. Um, you might maybe swap third-round picks, give him a future sixth, and and you're right there. So I think that's something to talk about. But that's not who you picked. Cam Smith, who I believe you picked in a previous mock, goes off at 36. Right. BJ Ojolari goes off at 38. Ada Tamiwa, Ada Baware <laughs> goes off at 39. I'm getting better at it. Yeah, you are. Um, so, and you went with... Another guard couldn't yep. get Osiris, so ended up with Steve Avila. Uh, just looking to you know solidify more of that depth on the interior of the O line because Lord knows we need it for sure, for sure. And yeah, I I don't you know Steve is not a guy I watched a ton of. That's what makes it difficult. Like I didn't yeah. see a lot of TCU games, so I don't have as good of a feel for it. But um, he's been a popular pick to the Saints of forty, and I think he is more of a reasonable availability guy to be looking at there. Cause I would be very surprised if Osiris gets like, I, w- I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if he gets out of the first round. I would be surprised if he is not one of the top five picks on day two, if he does. Yeah. It's obviously, you know, it's just so hard to predict what, you know, obviously where guys are going to go and thing, but you get kind of a basic sense of who will be in that range. And yeah, I feel like Avila could be around for that them in that spot for sure. 
And like I said, just uh, any kind of depth along that O-line would sure be welcome. Yeah, I'm just kind of going through the second-round picks here. Not a ton surprising. Drew Sanders drops pretty far. He drops to 58. I've seen some people say, like putting him at 29 for the Saints, so that would be a drop for him. Andre Carter to 57. Um, Luke Musgrave here at 49. Yeah, I will say Laporta was tempting for me with that pick, too. I was, I'm, I was, I was kind of thinking tight end. Yeah, he goes um, at 48. He goes one pick before before Luke Musgrave in this mock. And Siaka Ika is one that I remember doing mocks, and he was popping up a lot in that first round in that 28-29 range, and it seemed to fall down in, in mocks. He's been down. He, he's I think he's kind of fallen off a little bit. Um, the guy, one that really surprised me, if I had to pick one pick here that surprises me the most, it would be Jameer Gibbs at 63. I do not see a scenario where he ends up at 63, but who knows? Yeah, it seems l- pretty far down, obviously. Yeah. All right. And on to the third round. That div- that devaluation of running backs. Don't yep. don't tell Deuce that though. He don't like that. No, but it's definitely true. You know, you get into you get into draft day and suddenly the, the running backs just don't seem as exciting because they just don't go, right? It's a it's a great little teaser for the third round here. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, so the Saints draft at 71. Darnell Washington goes all the way to 70. Yeah. That would have been a very tempting pick. Again, right. it's like if he's there, do you trade up? thinking it's not like he might go ahead of you. You did not. You stuck there, and you ended up with who? I went with the A-chain. Uh, Devin A-chain, get, get some more juice for the backfield. And with that suspension of Kamara for six or however many games it is, I feel like he's a similar type player that could provide you with, you know, that that running ability, that quickness in space and also being a reliable receiver, hopefully, out the backfield. I just uh, I think that running back spot still does need to be addressed, even though they they got a guy like Jamal Williams. There's just not really much depth, if anything, right now on this roster. I think besides Kamara and Jamal, we have just Eno Benjamin, right? I don't know if there's anybody else signed at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think – I mean, those are the only players you're – you feel like are options, right? Right. Who knows what's going on with Washington? I know he didn't play the rest of the season due to migraines, but we haven't heard him being re-signed. I don't know if Mark Ingram gets brought back on us, you know, a, a really friendly t- team, friendly deal, veteran option, but he's still not going to be someone you lean on a lot. We've seen that now. It wouldn't stun me if he was one of the practice squad guys, kind of like Chris Harris was last year. You see a lot more veterans ending up in those roles because they know yeah. that they can be brought up at any point. And yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. The The question here would be interesting is that you have Devon A-Chain and Zach Charbonnet both on the board at 75 and are yeah. at 71, I should say. And I, I am curious. I don't know who they would be higher on. I almost think Charbonnet would make more sense just in the, in the sense of like, you know, he's a kind of a downhill guy, a one cut guy. Yeah. But, I was going to say he's more of your bigger back option, obviously. Exactly. Again, I think that's what you want as kind of the change-up. Kind of like the the A.J. Dillon to Aaron Jones out in Green Bay. Like, I think that's kind of the, you know. See, that's kind of like the Jamal Williams, Alvin Kamara, right? Like, Jamal Williams is more of a, a downhill, hard-hitting back, and Kamara is more of the scat back. But Well, that's why I um, wanted A-chain with Williams, because Kamara is going to be out. Yeah, and then the other – so Dorian Williams goes here. Kid out of uh, Tulane, Corey Trice, another one who the Saints had looked at. Dwayne McBride, another running back. So the Eagles, they're just loading up at running back. Oh, no, they didn't take a running back at 10. 
in this Mac mock. And then Kendry Miller is a guy the Saints brought in. I think if you don't go running back at 71, I think he's the guy you're hoping to bring in in the fourth round. Um, and then another surprise, I guess you would say, from this mock is the fact that no Tajay Spears taken. Nope. So you could have got him in the maybe in the fourth round. Although they do pick a little later in the fourth round. You get, you get all the way to 115, and that, that might be tough. But uh, over, all right. overall in this mock, I was definitely, I would say, my happiest of what the outcome was. And I just thought it was funny. I ended up with Mozzie Smith, who was initially, you know, in the first mock, ended up being my guy. So it just came kind of full circle and seems right. Yeah, I don't. I think the Saints would be happy if the yeah. You know, this is a very much okay. We need these positions, and we went and got them. Kind of draft, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and while teams will often say like, "If we're going best player available," at the end of the day, needing a th- player in a certain position or wanting a player at a certain position, as the Saints would put it, is is a big thing. It does factor in. The second the Saints went and drafted Derek Carr the first-round quarterback went out the window, right? And it's not because there aren't first-round quarterbacks they might be interested in. It's because it just doesn't make sense. At least that's how I see it. I agree with you totally. You just went out and got this guy, especially hearing how much he talked about not feeling wanted in Las Vegas. Well, if you're just going to sign a new deal in New Orleans and all of a sudden they're taking a quarterback in the first round, you're already looking over your shoulder. It's like, wait a minute. I agree. But all right. Let's wrap this segment up. We're going to come back. We're going to go through a seven-round mock draft. Seven rounds are fun. A lot less about each player, but a lot more players. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can follow Steve on Twitter at Steve Geller WWL. And check out latest content at WWL.com. Stick around. back for one more segment on inside black and gold i'm jeff nowak he is steve geller you are the listener we appreciate you if you haven't subscribed yet do that leave a rating leave a review really do appreciate it we're going to be getting into real draft country tomorrow i'm very excited to not have to do mock drafts anymore (laughs) another programming note is i was able to talk to cam jordan this morning and uh, we'll have that interview in a, in a later podcast. I didn't want to cram it into this one and then not give it the, the justice that it deserved. It's not really about the draft, so it won't be old. We're going to try to get to that early next week. One thing that we talked about was, and he's told this story before, on draft morning for draft day for him. So he was in a draft with multiple cams and also a player named Jordan Cameron. That was great. <laughs> and it's just so funny when you think about like how this happened is they, the Browns were going to draft Jordan Cameron and they called Cam Cameron Jordan. And we're like, Hey, we're going to draft you. And he's like, no, you're not. <laughs> Cause I just got drafted. <laughs> and like, oh shit. <laughs> it's it funny because if you were watch the league, which is a great show, if you haven't watched it, it's I, I envy you because you're going to go be able to get to watch it for the first time. There's an episode, I think it's either the first or second season, where Cam Jordan and Jordan Cameron are both in it. And Nick Kroll is like, he'll win a bet if he can pick who is who. It's like, which one of these is Cam Jordan? Which one of these is Jordan Cameron? And he couldn't do it. It was very funny. But we talked about that. We talked about a lot of stuff. It's great, too, because, I mean, obviously, they're immensely different looking gentlemen. Well, well, right. One's a tight end, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but... 
he did talk about how, like, in retrospect, it does make a lot of sense because if you look at everything the Browns have done since that call, <laughs> they haven't gotten much better about how the organization has handled things. Oh, um, and, uh, yeah, I think if you had to pick an, an organization that Cam is ready to troll more than the Falcons, it's the Browns. Th- that makes sense. I'm like, you're saying, hey, we're going to draft you. And it's like, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just I wish he had recorded that phone call. It's been so funny. So we're gonna get into this. This is a seven round mock draft. Yeah, I think there's been some noise about Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis. I think this is how it's gonna end up going. Like, there's been some some scuttle that the Texans might end up going Will Anderson at number two. I think that would blow my mind. It, like, you don't get to draft number two overall very often, and when you are there, you it, I think you have a responsibility to at least try to bring in the quarterback, right? Like not doing that would be a disservice to your fans. And so I, I don't, I, I think this is how it's going to go. And if it's not CJ Stroud, it'll be a different quarterback. I don't see how you can draft at number two in a draft this heavy for the quarterbacks, not having a quarterback and come away with anyone that's not a quarterback. Hey, it might be them just trying to drum up interest or whatever, because, uh, you know, that's folks right. might be thinking, Folks might be thinking, oh, D'Amico Ryan's, you know, new head coach, defensive mindset. He's going to want to go, you know, with a, a DN kind of thing. But, yeah, I, I, you have nothing right now over there quarterback-wise. Right. If the, do, how, how badly do the Cardinals want whoever they want? Because <laughs> if I'm the Texans, I'm trying to make them think that I yeah. want whatever player they want. <laughs> because I want them – I want to try to get assets from the Cardinals or maybe the Colts. Um, anyway. You're definitely not going to get a free meal from them, though. That's for sure. For sure. Yeah. So Will Levis goes to the Raiders at number seven here. Tyree Wilson to the Falcons. Peter Skaronsky to the Eagles. Paris Johnson to the Texans. Jackson Smith and Jigba to the Texans. And this is another example of the Texans drafting C.J. Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba and trying to do the Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase thing. I like that. I don't know why I did this. I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> but well, I think it is an interesting, interesting strategy. Jets bring in B. John Robinson, so Aaron Rodgers gets his running back. Lucas Van Ness to the Washington Commanders. Miles Murphy goes to the Bucks. Kalijah Cansey to the Seahawks. That's kind of a rough couple picks right there. Yeah. But we're going down. Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers. You got kind of a run on wide receivers here, which helps the Saints. I think you want to see this happening. You want to see cornerback, wide receiver, wide receiver safety <laughs> if you're the Saints. Another wide receiver at 25, tight end at 26. This would be kind of a dream scenario if you are trying to bring in a premium defensive tackle because there are several still on the board. Dolan Kincaid, he's another guy who I think if he gets the 29, you're really looking closely at me like, oh, is tight end that valuable? Yeah. It goes off the board here. And so I end up being able to bring in Brian Brzee, who is a guy who I wanted to take in these mocks previously, but he was just never available. And I think that's why I like doing it this way is if I had my pick from day one, it would have been Brian Brzee. But every time I did a mock, he would end up going at 12, at 15, at 21. In this instance, he was available, so I was able to get him. And I like it. I He's an injury-prone guy, and that concerns me considering the struggles you have had to stay healthy. But the talent there, I think, is just too much to to look past. And at, an, at a position of need, it, it makes too much sense. And the last name is close to being a future Hall of Famer. So it's got all the right letters. <laughs> yes. You can see Osiris Torrance ends up going to the Eagles at number 30. So that like that's the pick I was split between. And I think, you know, there's a reason that he went number 30. Either way, this is this is the pick I wanted, and this is the one I got. So we're gonna keep going. 
Will McDonald, a guy who I don't think fits the Saints, goes to the Chiefs at 31. Mozzie Smith goes to the Texans at 33. Daywan Jones goes to the Cardinals at 34. So, you know, those are two guys who I would have considered at 29 and maybe been like, oh, maybe they dropped to 40, right? If I went with Osiris Torrance, I was probably hoping that I could possibly bring in Mozzie at 40. He wouldn't have gotten there in this mock. So keep going. And we get to number 40. And this is the point where I'm like, man, I don't like how this board is developing. I'm not really in love with it. I probably would have traded, but I didn't want to do any trades in this mock. So I end up tilting and and taking Jameer Gibbs, someone who I have not even considered in any other mock, but he got to me at 40. I didn't like anyone else on the board. I, I, you know, Jalen Hyatt would have been interesting, but he already, he went to the Panthers and picked before me. Cam Smith is a guy who I would have been interested in, but he went to the Raiders to pick before me. I wanted someone exciting. So I went with Jameer Gibbs and I don't hate it. Right. Like I think you are getting a really good value on a plug and play running back at number 40. Alabama has had a pretty good tradition of putting out running backs into the NFL outside of Trent Richardson. You you finally moved on from Mark Ingram and you bring in another Alabama guy. It's Kismet, right? And I think we, you know, we've like you said, the running back position with Alabama, um, maybe one former tied back leaving and Mark Ingram and bringing in the new fresh blood. Yeah. I agree with that. All right, moving on. Third round. Dun, 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 we're going to go. Darnell Washington gets all the way to 45. Adatamiwa Adabaware, 46. Steve Avila, your guy, goes to the Commanders at 47. Man, you're going to be Downs a pro at saying Adabaware by the time he ends up on the Panthers or something. Yeah. <laughs> Cody Mach, who just looks like a football player, goes yeah. to the Steelers at 49. Luke Musgrave, 50. B.J. Ojolari, 51. Wow, big fall for Ojolari there. It's still second round. I think sure. anywhere in the second round is reasonable for BJ because, like I said, you know he's not a scheme fit for everybody. He is very much a three-four outside linebacker. So it, if the if the teams that he would make sense on just go a different direction, I could see this happening. But I, I would be surprised to see him get out of the second round. Isaiah Foskey, my guy for the last two drafts, who I still really like, is on the Jags at fifty-six. If he had gotten to seventy-one, I would have taken him. Keep going. Sam Laporta at 60. Cedric Tillman, he's a guy who I think has been is a low-key interest to, to the Saints. A wide receiver goes off at 65. Zach Charbonnet goes off at 67. So I'm now glad that I didn't wait on running back because if I wanted one of Jameer Gibbs or Zach Charbonnet, they're both gone. Devon Achin as well. And then we get to 71 and a familiar name, Nathaniel Dell, Tank Dell, still mine. I want him. He's coming in. That's my pick at 71. Getting that wide receiver, you know, we the, you you look at it, the depth on this team still needs to be addressed. Obviously, a wide receiver too, you're going to need more weapons. So I don't have any problem adding more artillery for Derek Carr for sure. No, and uh, yeah, he's a guy I picked in each of the last two mocks. Nothing has changed for me. I still love him. I still think he's going to be an excellent player. So I am bringing him in. Going on to the fourth round, I'm not going to go through a lot of these names. I'm just going to scroll through. So if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see it. Otherwise, I'm not going to. I'm just going to call out names as I go through them. Rasheed Rice to the Lions at 81. That's an interesting one. Uh, Demarion Overshone, linebacker, who I think probably the Saints might have some interest in in this range, goes to the Chargers, kid out of Texas at number 85. Jordan Battle, safety out of Alabama, goes to the Giants at 89. I think this is the range you might consider a safety for the Saints. 
Jaden Reed, who I think really impressed at the Senior Bowl, goes to the Eagles at 94. It's a good pick for them. Tajay Spears, 96 to the Cardinals. Roshan Johnson, too, another back I like. A guy that, you know, doesn't get talked about as the backup to Bijan, right. man. Right. Kind of reminds me of the Cadillac Williams, uh, yeah, they Ronnie Brown. Was it Oklahoma? No. Uh, Auburn. Auburn, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Brandon Jacobs was the third string running back yeah. on that team. Ended up transferring to Southern Illinois. And I would argue had the best career out of all three of them. They were all solid in the NFL, but Brandon Jacobs won a Super Bowl. Right. There you go. Uh, Byron Young, he's an interesting guy. I think if you're Todd Grantham and you're, so you talked about like, oh, how, how do these new assistants kind of factor in? If Todd Grantham has sway in this process, I think Byron Young is the guy that you might see the Saints look at who they might not have looked at in previous seasons. Because he's a guy who worked directly with at Alabama. He's right in that kind of middle range. So if he gets to them at 115, I think that he could be the pick. He doesn't here. Um, so I didn't get to take him, but I probably would have if he had gotten there just because of that. Corey Trice goes to Purdue at 102. We're getting there. Kendry Miller goes off the board at 105. So again, it's an example of I'm okay with this with the Jameer Gibbs pick in the second round because I probably would have really wanted Kendry at 115 and maybe you trade up, but either way, he's off at 105. Luke Schoonmaker, which I, I've been saying Luke Skywalker, uh, goes to the Jets at 112. Beautiful. He's an interesting guy that I think the Saints might be looking at. And then I get my guard here. Andrew Voorhees out of USC. This is more of a need pick than a, than a, than I love it pick. I think that this is where if you don't get a, if you, you need to build your interior def- offensive line in some way, you did yeah. not bring anyone in free agency and so if you if you get to your fourth pick without taking a guard, I think this is where you really have to consider either trading up and getting a guy or or landing a guy you like at 115. That's what I did here with Andrew Voorhees. No, it's so important just because of the amount of injuries. We just we've seen it happen constantly with this team. It's it's rough in those trenches, man. I agree. Speaking of the trenches, there's two LSU kids going uh, back yeah. to back. Anthony Quillen. Bradford, Jack Quillen Roy. We're going down. And then Kayshawn Booty at 124. So PFF is on my side wow. saying that Kayshawn Booty is a fourth round pick at best. Dorian Williams goes at 125. That was a big local flavor run there. Yes, it was. We're into the fifth round. Saints have two picks in the fifth round, no picks in the sixth round, two picks in the seventh round. I think this is where if you are the Saints and you're in the fifth round and there is someone at the back end of the fourth round and you're like, can we package both fifths and both sevenths and go get somebody in the fourth round? That might be me projecting because I don't want to have to wait until the end of the seventh round (laughs) for that final pick that's going to get cut. But (laughs) I I think this is where you might make that Adam Troutman move, right? Where you – traded the back half of your draft in 2020 to go get him in the third. Mm, Cause like how many rookies do you really have space for? No, that's, and that's a big problem with the saints and why they've done it in the past. Curious. Do you know offhand real quick? I, I was going to Google it, but I got Jeff here. So why was Houston's fifth rounder forfeited? Oh, I don't know. Okay. I was just I'd curious if you knew offhand. No, but I mean like, so yeah, if you, if you're, if you could possibly go get the 120 from the Steelers, right. And you look at some of the players that are available. If you hadn't taken, if you hadn't taken Jameer Gibbs in the second round, and suddenly you're looking at a running back in the middle of the fourth round, and you want really want Dwayne McBride, right? And you can go trade up to 120 and and let the Steelers make those kind of project picks. Make a team that's that's rebuilding make those project picks. Uh, I think I, I would not I would not fault it. I didn't do it in this mock because I just wanted to kind of go through the process. But let's go into to round five. 
Eli Rex yeah, got all look, the way. Just, just so you know, Houston forfeited that fifth rounder uh, due to league salary cap violations that were involving Deshaun Watson. Uh, okay, interesting. A lot of bad ju- juju around him. But it's the Saints that are that are running the Ponzi scheme. Yeah, um, <laughs> good one. <laughs> the Browns get Chris Smith at 142. He's a player that I probably would have taken if he was available at uh, whatever the Saints pick is. I always forget 146. But yeah, this is a guy I I really liked when I saw him at the Senior Bowl. I would comp him to Nick Vanette, which I know is not a particularly exciting to anybody, but I think he's that's the type of player the Saints could use right now at tight end. They had Nick Vanette this time last year. Like there's a reason they had him on the roster. And uh, so I go with Davis Allen out of Clemson. Just a guy who I think profiles a really good blocking tight end, a position that you're going to need because I don't think Adam Troutman's going to get another contract. No, he sure got a lot to prove this season to earn that contract for sure. Yep. Jake Hayner goes to Washington at 150. I know that's a pick that's been popular with the Saints. Chase Brown, another impressive running back, goes to the Packers at 149. Keep going down. Makai Garner, which that's impressive for Makai Garner if he's a fifth-round pick because I, I wouldn't have guessed that. Get out of LSU. Juice Scruggs, top 10 draft name, in my opinion. Not for skill, just because I appreciate the name. <laughs> and this is a pick that I also feel really good about. At 165, I'm bringing in Older Sagoon Oluwatimi. I think he has a nickname. I don't know what it is, but and rest Mike, assured. I was going to say Mike Haas and Deuce McAllister love you already. I think it's Ali. I think it's like you would you would go with Ali Olawatimi or something like that. But this is a pick that I think makes a lot of sense. He was at the Senior Bowl, and you're the Saints, and you're looking at the interior offensive line, and you're saying, we like the idea of a project with Cesar Ruiz, another kid out of Michigan, same coaching staff at Michigan. He's a guy who you probably could cross-train and have a backup center, backup interior lineman. I think it's a good pick. I, I think this is where I would want to take him, and it would help to shore up that interior line that you, you know, you didn't exactly blow anyone away with your Andrew Voorhees pick in the fourth round, right? So this kind of gives you a little bit more of an investment and a guy who you know can play center because I think if you're the Saints and you really feel good about Cesar Ruiz's improvement at guard, you are tired of having to shift him over to center every time Eric McCoy strains his calf. I don't know if that's going to keep happening, but it's happened each of the past two seasons. And I think that that has significantly impacted Caesar's ability to kind of find his way at guard. I think you are tired of seeing that happen. And so last year you had Josh Andrews filling in, right? You would much rather have a guy who you are developing, not Josh Andrews be that backup center. So this is why I'm going with this pick. I like it. I think he could also potentially be that jumbo lineman to get some extra some extra juice out of it. It's what you did with Will Clapp. Will Clapp was the center and also the jumbo lineman. So I like this pick a lot. Even if it's not Oluwatimi that you go with, I like the concept of it. So that's that's who I went with there. Yeah, I wasn't going to pretend to know much about Oluwatimi, so did a quick search and love the fact he didn't let up any sacks last year. Yeah, he's a guy who was at the Senior Bowl, and I got a decent look at him, and that's why I like this going to the Senior Bowl because I wouldn't have known about him either, but – you kind of watch these drills right. and you see, okay, that kid looks good. He's not, he's, he's really kind of stoning people as he moves across the offensive line. And, you know, and I saw, oh, Michigan center money. Anyway, in the bag. Going down. Cameron Latu, tight end out of 49ers, out of, out of Alabama, going to the 49ers. I think if you get late this late in the draft and you haven't taken a tight end, he's a guy you might look at, another senior bowl guy. Going into the sixth round, we don't have any picks in the sixth round. So I'll just roll through it. Payne Durham, another tight end. There's so many tight ends in this draft. 
Like it's insane how many quality tight ends there are. And even a guy like that, I think that he's serious upside in the sixth round going to the Bucks. Ali Gay going to the Patriots at 184. Andre Iasivas is a popular name. Jared Hall, quarterback, goes to the Lions. He's interesting. Jay Ward, another LSU kid. Dorian Thompson-Robinson is I, – I would be stunned if he falls this far. I think Dorian Thompson-Robinson is a top three-round pick. And, uh, yeah, I, I think he's being undervalued. Rakeem Jarrett, interesting. Maryland wide receiver goes to the Chargers. And we're getting close to Saints land here. We are into the seventh round. A little off topic there. Like we we didn't see obviously the LSU run that we typically see in the in the you know first day of the draft. But man, there there's been a lot of guys obviously throughout this draft that are going to hear their names in the in the rounds not not the first round. Obviously, yeah, it, they didn't have that kind of premium guy, right? There's no Derek yeah. Stingley this year, um, but they have some quality players next year. Will be well, actually, maybe not next year, but next year they'll have Jaden Daniels. It'll be interesting to see how he does, and then the year after that, it'll be Harold Perkins. He might be the number one pick in the draft, and it'll depend on what the quarterback class looks like. But yeah, that that, that LSU team is going to be going to be putting a lot of players into the NFL over the next several years with Brian Kelly kind of getting his getting his machine going. All right, into the seventh round, Clayton Toon, kid out of Houston. That's a guy who I would have looked at. I ended up going with Tyrus Wheat as an edge rusher here. This is the first edge rusher I've come up with in this draft. And that's kind of surprising to me. It's part of the reason I don't like this draft because I find it very unlikely you get to the seventh round and haven't picked an edge rusher yet. But he's a guy who makes some sense. I think even if you do pick an edge rusher earlier in the draft, you probably do try to bring in a guy in the in the latter portion here. But I went with Tyrus Wheat. Yeah, SEC, you know, got that big game recognition, that 10 and a half Tackles for loss, I think, last year, six sacks. Uh, just the guy that you mentioned, too. Like, I don't know how long you wait on edge. And this could be like another another addition kind of thing. But who knows if they, they keep all these picks to this point. We know they love to pack yeah. stuff and move up kind of deal. I would be stunned if they end up making all these picks. Um, right, but exactly. In this sense, I'm just going through them. And then, so DJ Dale is probably the guy I should have taken. Because, again, this is another Todd Grantham guy. If you can get him in the seventh round, it would be very surprising to me if the Saints passed on DJ Dale. Just knowing that, like, if the coach liked him, why wouldn't you bring him in here at a position that you're probably going to cut this guy anyway? <laughs> um, so at least it would be that. So I, that's probably – if I had this to do again, I probably would have gone with Dale. Either way, moving on. Also at the Senior Bowl. <laughs> I was going to say, how many Senior Bowls does that make it for this the seventh round mock? It's a good question. I have to go back and look. <laughs> and then Tyson Badgett, another senior bowl quarterback. I think it's probably likely that they end up grabbing a quarterback here if they draft in the seventh round. Just as a practice squad guy, you had nothing else who you can maybe try to develop and maybe strike gold on, right? Like Brock Purdy was the final pick in the draft. It's not unheard of for a quarterback to be picked in the seventh round and, and develop. It's very, very, very unlikely. So, you know, this is a guy out of Shepherd. They don't even list his school here because it's not even a school that anyone knows about. But yeah, so Tyson Badgett, that's the end of that. No, what's interesting with the Saints is you think about it, what when have they ever, ever developed a quarterback? And I'm not even talking about obviously the Sean Payton reign, even before that. So here is my draft. You can't see Tyson Badgett at the bottom there, but he's there. So Brian Brazil at 29. PFF gave me a B plus. Jameer Gibbs at 40, Nathaniel Tank Dell at 71, guard Andrew Voorhees at 115, tight end Davis Allen at 115, Ola Sagoon, Ola Watimi at 165. The only A I got from PFF, Tyrus Wheat 
at 227 and then Tyson Badgent at 257. They don't even have a picture of the guy. They don't <laughs> even know what his school is. But yeah, so I, I like this draft. I don't hate it. I don't think it's 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 accurate in terms of what's going to happen, but I do like the fact that I was able to address three positions that I think need depth in the first three picks. I was able to add two interior linemen that I that I feel like have some upside. I was able to get a tight end that I think profiles as a good developmental guy. And then I was able to get a couple camp bodies in the seventh round. So I, I'm okay with it. Yeah, and then uh, we've talked about it before. The fun of after the draft begins of all the undrafted free agent names. Yes, it does. I can all imagine. Right. I, I might imagine the phone lines might be even crazier for that than during the draft. It is entirely possible. <laughs> but yeah, that's going to wrap it up there. This obviously went long as it always does. I do appreciate everyone who who stuck around. Pelicans, Nola says, how many picks did you all hit on last year for the Saints? I don't think I did any second or third round mock drafts last year. I think I only did the first round. And I will say that I got both. I didn't get the trade, but I did get Chris Olave and Trevor Penning. I felt like that was kind of like, of all the years to get it right, that was a pretty low level flex to be able to be like, yeah, we I got that. Because it was kind of projected that what that's what they wanted. Ohio State wide receiver, best offensive tackle on the board. So, I, I mean, I, I did get both of those last year, but I would be stunned. I don't even know if I could say I got the any any right this year because I've made so many different picks. I think I think that's the Fletcher Mackle strategy of make do so many mock drafts that you have so many ways to be like, oh, I called it. Just don't look at those other ones. Right. And then all of a sudden pick number 29 comes and you hear do 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 the yeah. Saints select Hendon Hooker. And you're like, wait a minute, what? Well, no, I think it was the Caesar Ruiz pick. So he had Caesar Ruiz. He, he was able to find a tweet where he had Cesar Ruiz as one of his picks. I do give him credit because I could have done a million mock drafts and I wouldn't have had Cesar Ruiz. But at the same time, it was like one of like 12 mocks he had done. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you, you just, you, you have a one third chance if you get all of the first round picks. Anyway. Yeah. And uh, I think what we, we ended up doing what for this year, that's usually my max. Yeah. Well, that's why like, like I try, if I have a chance to pick the same guy and I haven't really changed my opinion on a guy, not necessarily going to change it. Like I took Tank Dell in three different mocks. So if they take Tank Dell, then I will claim that one as a victory, regardless of where they take him in the draft. If they take Isaiah Foskey, I will claim that as a victory because I had him in two of my mock drafts. And in this one, just didn't work out. I probably would have still taken him. So yeah, the first round pick, I, I'm all over the board. It could be Brzee. It could be Torrance. I can't remember who else did I take. In the, oh, Kalijah Kansi, I traded up for him. If they trade up to 20 and take Kalijah, that's when I'll claim victory on that one. Well, the good one news is too, like I, I've talked to you about it, like the, the mock draft that I did that I hated, I ended up with Bijan at 29 and I don't think that's happening at all. No, but I think I think when you did that, it, it kind of seemed a little crazy. But now that I think we've had some time to digest it, <laughs> if he was on the board at 29, I think the Saints would have a really hard time passing on him. And it's really more like save, your, save them from themselves than anything else. But yeah, so Who that's knows, it. You know what? Maybe with the Bijan scenario, that might be something we finally see them trade down. Who knows? To get a lesser player? Yeah, <laughs> right. Or, or maybe, yeah, get, who knows, to get those more assets because you can get that running back later on, they might be thinking. So why not finally stock up on some picks and make everyone happy? Yeah. Well, you could have got Marcus Davenport at 27. That's what people tell me. You could have got Cesar Ruiz at, in the fifth round or something. You know, Peyton know. Turner. Peyton Turner in the third round, right? Anyway, let's wrap that up. This has been going on for a while, but I do want to say, so Steve 
you will be on the pre-draft show tomorrow? No. Uh, no, the pre-draft show with um, Mike Haas and Deuce McAllister starts at 4 o'clock. And, yeah, that's a heck of a show that people definitely want to tune into with all of the Saints front office and brass yeah. from, you know, Mickey Loomis, Dennis Joe Allen, Will. the coaching staff. Uh, we, we've talked about it before. This is the first time we're going to hear from the defensive coordinator. We yeah. Nobody has spoken with the Saints' new defensive coordinator yet. It will be the first interview with him, so we'll get um, we'll um, get to um. we'll get to learn a little bit. And then, so Steve and I will be hosting the pre-draft show on Friday, starting at four, and then on Saturday, starting at nine. That's and then we will one. have that one will be brutal. Don't don't judge me based on how mean I am in that one. Uh, live, and then we'll have a from Starbucks will be yes. Then we'll have a wrap-up show on Sunday, which again will be the end of a, a grueling week. Um, but I will be at the Saints facility for all three days. And I'll also be on the Odyssey draft show that Jason Lockenfora and Brian Balding are hosting on the Odyssey app and on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page. I'll be on shortly after the Saints pick at 29. If they do trade up, then I will be on shortly after whatever pick that is. And I will be very much in shambles if that does happen because <laughs> they'll be scrambling. But it's, uh, you know, it, draft season is always kind of like a punch drunk kind of thing because it's, we talk about it for so long and then suddenly it's here. Like at least like training camp, the preseason, it's like a slow build up to the season, and then we kind of go draft season. It's just zero to a hundred in this week. I don't know if I've mentioned this one to you before, but I was not smart in the past, and I was like, "All right, I'm gonna take some time off before the draft." And but you, went, I came back like that Thursday for draft night. Oh no! And I yeah, wasn't ready to get back into the flow of things after being in downshifted for so long. Yeah, I, I had a week off a couple weeks ago, as you know. And uh, I at least had this kind of week to reset, but right, it, yeah, right. like it took me a couple of days to remember how to, how to do my job and stuff. It happened. I'm good at it, but I remember now. No, especially when you're in that really deep, I mean, you had to obviously see a wedding in Vegas uh, and to deal with and, but yeah, vacation mode to come back to the madness. That's the NFL draft. It's a bit of a slap in the face. Yeah. But then we'll get through it and it's going to be like two months of nothing. So you know, we're, we're complaining about it's like this grueling weekend, but then it's it's dead season. So we'll have a lot to talk about on these new draft picks. And I believe that there will be a rookie mini camp sometime in the next couple of weeks. So we'll get a chance to talk to a lot of these players. I'm looking forward to that. that that's I think I've said before, that's one of my favorite things from the offseason is just that one day where we get to see all of the rookies and talk to them for the first time in person. So keep an eye out for that, too. Yeah, it's easy you know, they're, they've got their heads spinning, so they're more inclined to be receptive to talking to us. <laughs> right. But all right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This was our last mock draft episode, obviously, since the draft is tomorrow. So definitely don't listen to this after the draft and tell us how bad we were at picking the Saints draft selections. That would be terrible if you did that. Okay. And I know I put that warning at the end, meaning that if you had listened to it, that that wouldn't actually help you um but as always i appreciate everyone for listening i appreciate everyone who rated and subscribed and if you haven't done that please do if you're not subscribed to the youtube page please do that as well it's, it's been kind of a lull the last several weeks because i've been at a wedding my own wedding and then it's not a ton of new content to throw at you so it's been a little slow but that will pick up draft night and, and going forward as we uh, as we get more into this yeah definitely full bore ahead Yep. All right, y'all. Be easy. Peace.